Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. What's up, friends? Grant Bolden here. So glad to have you here listening to episode 454 of the Speaker Lab podcast. Once again, this week, I am joined by a speaker who not only works with us here at the Speaker Lab, but also runs an incredible speaking business of his own. We're talking with my buddy, Dan Irvin, today. Now, Dan started out with us as a student and then actually joined our team a couple of years back after a career in the corporate C-suite. Now he is speaking more than 50 times a year to leaders and executives about intentionality, teamwork, and sales growth. Dan and I have a lot in common when it comes to our families. Our wives uh, both happen to be hairdressers, uh, even though I don't have any hair. I don't need your judgment right now. We both have three kids, and despite the busy life of a speaker, we like to maximize our quality time with our loved ones. So if you're a parent or struggling with balancing traveling and speaking gigs with time with your kids, Dan and I are going to talk a little bit about our experience and finding that balance. Dan is a, a systems guy, and we are all about systems here at the Speaker Lab. You just cannot get away from building solid systems if you want to launch a sustainable successful speaking business. Dan's going to share what the process is like as a student in one of our programs for putting in the groundwork for those essential systems with our speak framework from task management to prospecting to email follow-up systems and repeatable methods that will get you greater momentum than relying on pure enthusiasm. For example, with a systematized contact strategy that you can really focus on quality over quantity of your lead generation, which is a process that Dan is going to walk us through step by step. Dan is also quite the expert whenever it comes to taking unpaid speaking gigs that can create value for you in some area uh, of your business. So we're going to talk about that as well. We're going to cover a lot of ground in today's conversation. So let's get right to it. Here's my conversation with Dan Irvin. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Bolton here. Welcome back to the Speak Lab podcast. Uh, excited to have my buddy Dan Irvin here joining us today. Dan is uh, someone here on the home team. He works here at the Speak Lab, but also has a very successful speaking career in his own right. And so excited to talk to him about his speaking journey, but also some of what he's doing uh, behind the scenes that's working really, really well for uh, finding and booking paid gigs. So Dan, welcome, man. Good to have you here with us today. Man, anytime I get time with you, Grant, it's a good day. I appreciate being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is my first time on the podcast, so I'm I'm super excited to be here. Now you've been on the team here at the Speaker Lab for three and a half years, I want to say. No, not quite. Uh, I started with the Speaker Lab as a student three years ago. Okay, and, and been on the team for about a little over two and a half years. Okay, now. all right. I remember it was uh, October-ish uh, when yep. you, when you started here. You made a big impression from the beginning. Has been crushing it ever since. So, uh, but in addition, you've been again like we, we touched on, been killing it in your own speaking business. So, why don't you give us a little context, like pre uh, the Speaker Lab? Uh, how did you first kind of get into speaking? Totally. So it's interesting because uh, I didn't really do any type of speaking like I am today pre-Speaker Lab. 
20 years, 20 plus years prior to Speaker Lab, I was in corporate America. I was in a variety of roles. About half that time was in the C-suite. So I was a COO of one organization, a CEO of, a, of another organization, uh, and had done some speaking internally, you know, as you do in a uh, in a leadership role. You t- speak to the team, maybe speak to some clients and whatnot, but nothing on a stage, nothing like I'm doing these days. But I've always enjoyed it. I, I certainly always... Uh, really loved it. Uh, and then even further back, I was a corporate trainer. And so I'd work with smaller groups of people in like a classroom setting and really always enjoyed uh, that experience and just connecting with people and really helping people kind of what I call now these light bulb moments, mm-hmm. right? And just really seeing things. And so I was in the corporate world. And uh, long story short, I uh, just a couple of months before the pandemic, actually before COVID hit, I was laid off of my C-suite position. And I had one foot kind of uh, like, okay, I'm going to get back into this corporate space, this corporate role. And, but there's this other like thing that's pulling me. Like I want to build my own thing. I want to do my own thing. And I, I love the speaking aspect. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it, but so I'll just keep kind of like pretending like I'm going to start this other thing, but I'm really looking for the corporate gig because I'm married. I have three kids and I need the stability. And, and then COVID hit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, all the corporate leads dried up. Mm-hmm. Right. And I decided, well, there's my sign. Uh, and so I'm going to go all in on uh, the the speaking side of things. And so I tried to figure it out on my own. I talk about this quite often, actually. I, I tried to figure it out on my own. It was was making some headway, but it was dismal. <laughs> Every time I took a step forward, I felt like I took two back. And long story short, that's how I actually found the speaker lab. I was like, somebody has to have already figured this out. Why am I trying to build this? And uh, And then Came actually found you first, Grant, uh, in the I think the podcast maybe or uh, maybe one of the the webinars that you were doing back then. I'm not yeah. sure, uh, but that's 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 kind of how I came to the Speaker Lab. And so I was just been in this corporate space for about 20 years, and then um, really when I got uh, laid off, it was that moment that I said to myself, "Never again, never again, am I going to build something for somebody else? Yeah, without building something for me as well." Yeah. Very cool. The so it sounds like if we go back in time, there you were doing some speaking, some kind of hodgepodge stuff here and there, um, and it sounds like that's a spot where you know you and I have talked with a lot of students that we work with and just speakers in general. That's how it tends to begin for a lot of speakers. It's just like I've done some of this maybe for work or did something for a friend, and it's fun. Maybe I got paid a time or two, and I'm wondering like. I would like to do more of this, um, but the, again, the kind of like I, I don't, I don't know what that means, or what does that even look like, or what are the options or opportunities? How does this work? Uh, where do I even begin? And so, like, what was your headspace at that point of going, like, I want to do this, but is this even a thing? Yeah, it's so true. I think uh, for myself and the students that I, I get the opportunity to connect with, uh, there's we've done it. Like most people that I speak to, and even myself, we. We've been doing some kind of speaking. It's been something that we've been a part of, and um, and really, kind of the the movement was like, well, I enjoy doing it. I'm getting people that say that I'm good at it, <laughs> and every time I do it, I get more of that. I feel better about myself. I get more excited uh, after when I get done speaking. It's just this like rush of uh, just excitement, and people keep telling me that I'm good at it. So wait a minute, there might be something here. There might be something that I can actually put together. And um, could I actually do this full time? Uh, you know, I I was speaking to someone not too long ago about this. And I was, uh, I was telling them a little bit about my story. And I said, I remember that moment where I was like, could I do it? Um, am I able to do it? Should I do it? 
Like mm -hmm. that's kind of where I was thinking. And um, if I can do it, will people actually care? And so there's this, all this uh, early on anxiousness, I think, or maybe just, uh, we talk about a lot of this imposter syndrome of, mm -hmm. well, that event went well, but that's probably an anomaly. Like mm -hmm. that'll, I'll never have an event that goes well again, right? Yeah. It'll just, it'll never be that well. So I think part of it is just um, kind of leaning into what you're feeling, the gut feeling, what people are telling you, and then really starting to figure out, is this something that I want to do? And that, that's kind of my journey, kind of where I went. So throughout that process, and you're kind of thinking, again, like you mentioned, one foot in speaking, one foot in, do I go back into corporate? Pandemic kind of throws a wrench into things as well. Uh, what was your wife, Katie, thinking through all this? I've had a chance to meet Katie. She's lovely. Uh, and you, you got three awesome kids. And so it's kind of this tension of like, I want to chase this dream, but I also want to eat and live indoors. And so what's Katie thinking throughout all this? It's actually pretty interesting. So I was laid off. Um, and the pandemic hit and my wife is a hairdresser, mm -hmm. right? And so she owns a salon. She's been doing that 25 years. And I don't know if you remember or not, uh, for you, this may not matter, but for a lot of us wow. that get our- Wow. For... <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I mean, I, I cut my own hair. I've gotten That's really, really good. And I told, I told you, you know, like Sheila, my wife is a hairdresser as well. So yeah. she did my hair for years and then she's like, nope, I'm retiring. You do your own hair. So, all yeah. right, play, I'll play along. Go Listen, on. you can do your hair at home. I can't, I can't, okay. I can't, right? Okay. 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 Right. So right. pandemic hits, uh, Katie can't work, mm -hmm. right? Like all the salons got shut down. Like it just wasn't an option. And so- uh, she was out of work for six, eight weeks, something like that, legitimately could not go into work. And so um, it, it was a tough situation. It was a tough, um, we were financially in a position to where we could weather the storm for a while, not not forever, but certainly yeah. for a while. Uh, and I remember going to her and being like, you know what? I found this program. You, she had already known that I was kind of trying to do this on my own and I was getting frustrated and I was trying to... I'd, I'd maybe get a gig or two, but I didn't really know how to find them. I really didn't have a process, but I was just kind of piecemealing it together. And so she had seen that happening. And then I told her, I found this program and um, here's the investment. Here's the time investment. Uh, here's the things that I'm going to have to, and it's going to pull away from my job search. Like it's going to pull away from me kind of getting back into corporate, if that's even an option to actually start building this. Um, and we won't, both weren't working. Let me remind you. And she looked at me and said, you need to do it. Mm. You need to do it. This is what you're meant to do. Was that surprising to you? I think not kind of, not really. Knowing Katie uh, and just who she is and who she's always been for me has been somebody that has believed in me even when I haven't believed in myself. Mm -hmm. And when I needed uh, somebody to say, just go do it. And she's not that person. She's more of the, uh, she holds back. She's reserved in her own self. Yeah. But for me, she's, she just has this, and she may look at it a little bit differently, but the way I look at it, she's just got this blind faith in me where she's like, everything you've ever done, you've been successful at. Mm. So if you vetted this and she's like, I know that if you're coming to me, it's because you've done, you vetted it, yeah. <laughs> you've done your due diligence, uh, then I believe in you. You need to go after it. So you and I are very fortunate that we have uh, very loving, supportive, awesome wives who are out mm -hmm. of our league uh, and decided to settle for us for whatever reason. That's right. But uh, we also, you know, we talked to a lot of, of speakers who are where we were when we got started, who maybe their spouse is, is not as supportive. And they're going like, you know, we can't afford that or 
what makes you think you can chase this dream or who are you to think that you could be a speaker or any of those things? Like, what would you say to that speaker who's already has their own limiting beliefs and self-doubt, but they also have a, a spouse or significant other or partner who also shares in those and maybe fuels those uh, limiting beliefs? That's tough. That is a tough situation. Uh, I, I would imagine that most times it's not... Um, it's not personal. It's usually that they don't have enough information, right? They don't typically, um, they probably aren't a spouse of yours because they don't believe in you. <laughs> They're yeah. probably with you because they do believe in you. Mm. And, and then understanding that maybe it's just, they need more information. This is, um, this is actually the relationship that I have on the other side with Katie is that when she wants to do things, I'm like, okay, I need more information. I need more information. Tell me more about it. And because I can be very quick to say, no, 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 no. I don't know anything about that. And so I think when we come to people, uh, our spouses, significant others, whatever it is, or whomever it is, uh, understanding that if this is something that we've done our due diligence in, and we know it's something that we want to do, that it's going to alter the direction that we want to go. I think coming with a ton of information and more or less asking um, for permission for them to support you. Yeah. Right. And saying, here's, here's what it's going to do for me. Here's where everything is going to go. And I figured out how we can make it work. Oftentimes the other part of it too, is that uh, if you're going to someone and they're not supporting you, uh, maybe it's because you just haven't been the best in the past of really kind of figuring out what that plan would look like. So putting a full plan in place to really deliver, I think it's just a lack of information and not so much a lack of believing in the other person. And so I think that would be the best advice I could give is just really understand what you're getting into, plan it out and how it could actually fit in. And if it legitimately fits in, then it's hard to argue against logic. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, okay. I want to fast forward in the story for a second, then we're going to come yeah. back. So we're going to kind of bounce around, choose your own adventure here. So if okay. we fast forward to now, you again, have built a successful speaking business. You're, you're booking some like high quality gigs. Like um, uh, I'll, I'll let you determine if you want to share numbers, but five figure gigs uh, you're booking consistently. So give us some context of like, what does the speaking business look like now? How often are you speaking? What kind of clients are you working with? Uh, and what give, paint us a picture for where you're at today? Sure. Yeah. Um, it's really exciting. Quite honestly, uh, I'm enjoying every bit of it. Um, and I'll tell you, I shared this, this with you actually not too long ago, just on a call you and I were having, is uh, one of the goals that I had in speaking is that it would just give me more freedom. It'd give me more time. It'd give me more just flexibility with my family. I do have three kids. One of the goals that I have is that uh, my kids can travel with me uh, mm -hmm. when I speak. And uh, next month, I'm, I'm going to be in Seattle and I'm going to be in Florida next month for a gig. And my oldest daughter, Stella, she's going to be coming with me to Florida. And, uh, and so she'll be, um, she'll be in the back of the room while dad's doing his thing up front. But everything around that is going to be what it's all worth, right? We're going to be yeah. in the airport together. We're going to be on the plane together. We're going to be in the hotel. And then I tacked on a couple extra days for us just to pal around at the beach. Yep. And so when you ask me a question about how my speaking business is going, that's where my mind goes, because that's what I'm in it for. Mm. That's 100% what I'm in it for. Right. And my, my uh, middle child, Levi, he's, he's nine. So he's almost to the age now where he can start going to some local gigs. So Stella has been putting her work in the last couple of years, yeah. going to some local gigs with dad. And now she gets to go on a traveling trip. And I don't think the four-year-old's ever going to make it to a gig. He's just <laughs> out there and we'll, we'll see what happens when he gets older. But um, and so that's, for me, that's the reason why I'm doing all of this is yeah. to spend time with them. And, 
uh, for the, so uh, that's incredibly that's just so exciting and fantastic. That's going well. But as far as um, just where I'm going, what I'm doing this year, I'm probably going to do about six fifty five sixty gigs. Wow. Um, last year I did about forty. Uh, mostly paid this year, mostly paid. Uh, there's a handful in there that aren't paid, but I have very strict policies on not paid gigs. Um, and, and, uh, to where there's still value on both sides of it, but mostly paid. And, um, and so who I speak to, uh, I work with a lot of associations, um, but I also work with quite a few HR groups, cool. uh, HR teams, I work primarily uh, because I come from the corporate background. I work with uh, emerging leaders. I work with people that can affect change in their organization that are typically the HR people or senior leaders uh, that really have teams of anywhere from maybe a handful to 20 or 30 people mm -hmm. on their team. That's who I like connecting with. I just did a gig a couple of weeks ago uh, for 500 people, uh, and it was all HR um, executives uh, in cool. the room. And so, um, yeah, that's, it's, it's exciting, uh, and just yeah. continuously, you know, to connect. And so about, um, three to four gigs on average, um, a month. And so, uh, one of the things you touched on there earlier was that, uh, that the majority of the gigs that you're doing are, are paid, uh, but there are some that are free that yeah. you've determined make sense for you. And this is something obviously we drill in with uh, students that we work with is don't just do a gig out of the goodness of your heart. You're running a business. You got to treat it like a business. You're providing something of value. You need to receive something of value in exchange. So what's kind of the criteria you go through in your own mind of why is this gig for free worth it? And that gig for free is not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely have a criteria that I work through and I just want to uh, make a point to what you just said. The we play this. We play this trick in our minds. We play this game in our minds that we say, "Oh, if I just go do that free gig, then uh, maybe there'll be somebody in the room. Maybe there'll be uh, who knows who's going to be there. Maybe they'll book me for another gig. Maybe they'll buy books. Maybe they'll." It's just all these maybes, right? right. And and I played that game for a while too. I was like, "Well, I'm, I'm, and and also when you're developing and growing or scaling or building your speaking opportunities, you're just trying to grasp at everything." And what that ultimately results in, and, I, and I, from personal experience, is that you just spin your wheels a lot, mm -hmm. that it doesn't actually lead anywhere. It's a completely different game when you actually start doing gigs uh, for people that have the problem that you solve. This is obviously what we coach and train on here at the Speaker Lab. It's massively changed the way that I look at opportunities. Uh, and so to answer your question specifically, uh, some of the criteria components that I go into um, are, uh, first and foremost, everyone in the audience has to be an ideal audience member, client for me, period. I mean, it's got to be that um, I actually don't do gigs anymore that aren't that anyways. I mean, even mm -hmm. paid. I mean, if you're not my ideal, because here's what happens is that I'll get there and I've done them before. And if it's not the ideal audience, or I just kind of as a one-off and I'm going to do it, I, everything about it isn't the same. Everything about it isn't what I'm used to, nor am I going to get the feedback in the audience from my talk because they're not connecting with me. They're not my ideal audience, yeah. right? So first and foremost, it's got to be the ideal audience uh, that I'm, I'm going to be there. Um, and I'll tell you, because I have a very systematic way in how I do everything in my, in my business, I'm still sending them an invoice right? With and still sending them a proposal. Um, here's, you know, let's just, let's just say here's for everything that you're, how many people are going to be there, how long you need me, uh, how far I have to get there. Let's just say it's $10,000. Yeah. All right. So um, we've already discussed. And so one of the questions I ask on my discovery calls is, um, and, and really uh, when we figure out there's no budget or maybe it's past the discovery call is, 
Okay, I'm bringing $10,000 worth of value. So how are you going to match that $10,000 worth of value and what you can provide for me? And, mm-hmm. and by the way, I, I say that when I built the relationship, like I can have that conversation. It's not like minute yeah. two and I'm like throwing this at them. But having that conversation, it's pretty interesting. Event planners can get very creative in how they can provide value uh, for you, right? And sometimes money comes out of places all of a sudden, right? Mm-hmm. And there's all of a sudden a budget, or uh, maybe they're going to have a videographer or a photographer on site. That's massively valuable mm-hmm. to me, right? Uh, and so it's got to be the ideal audience. Uh, it's got to be uh, that they're also, it's got to be that they're paying my travel. Like I can't spend money to get there. That's one of the other criteria that I've actually implemented this year is that travel has to be paid for. So ideal audience travel has to be paid for. And then I negotiate some other ways that I'm going to be able to connect deeper with that audience. Maybe they're going to provide me the list of everyone that attended. Yeah. Maybe they're going to do actually uh, one-on-one introductions while I'm there with some key stakeholders and different organizations that are around there. Maybe they've got some other podcasts, or maybe they have other webinars, or maybe they have other ways that they can promote me. Again, not knowing the full fledge of what those organizations do when I present it to them of, hey, I'm bringing this much value. How can you match that value without a budget? They start coming up with some really creative ideas that can really get me promoting. Again, knowing that that whole audience is my ideal audience. Very cool. You, you've touched on a couple of times there, just your ideal audience. Did you feel like you knew that from day one or what's kind of been the evolution of figuring that out? Oh man. Yeah, no, I was, um, when I first went through the process with the speaker lab and really kind of like started that first step, the S selecting a problem to solve, I was really going down this track of, uh, working specifically with salespeople. Like I just thought I was going to do the sales side of things and talk and get, start getting really niche into sales and why, sales why? training. Like, why did you land on, on sales? I think it was just easy for me to talk about and all the corporate, like when I thought about the training that I had done, like the more, um, maybe the more corporate or the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like when I, when I, at that point in time, when I had thought of a speaker, the only thing that I had in my mind was this corporate trainer that that's their job. They're in front of a classroom and they teach a group of people in a classroom. Right. And so I just went to this um, familiarity of that's who, that's what I did so well as a corporate trainer. So that must be what people are going to also want from me, not knowing that there was this whole other space that I could speak on that I'm actually way more passionate about (laughs) that can actually connect with people. And so I came in going sales because that's all I knew is when I thought of a speaker and then quickly realized when I started doing gigs, the sales stuff wasn't getting asked for, which is kind of an interesting point in itself is that one of the things I talked to quite a few of our students here is that early on in my career, I started trying to create product to put on the shelf. I thought that if I had a bunch of product on the shelf, that when people came to me, they could just be like, oh, that's what I want. Oh, that's what yeah. I'll... And it doesn't work like that at all. <laughs> in fact, all of those all of those talks that I put together, I've never sold a single one of them. Mm-hmm. What actually changed is when I went through the process and started uh, really understanding the process here at the Speaker Lab Coaches and Trains On, I understood that it's not salespeople that I want to connect with. It's actually these people that um, are unbalanced in life. Um, and then once I created that signature talk, I have a bunch of other offers and workshops that I can offer now, but I had people coming to me asking me for these workshops versus me trying to assume what they wanted. Yeah. 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 Do you feel like it's been an iterative process or do you feel like you still are kind of like, 
I'm pretty sure this is my ideal audience or uh, what's your, what's your level of confidence of where you are today? Cause I think, again, this is one of the things that the speakers struggle a lot with of going like of all the different ideal audiences and all the different topics and all the different lands. I think this is what I, but there's, again, like you mentioned the, what about this one or what about that one or all these other scenarios that you could do. So do you still deal with that? And like, is the grass greener over there? Do I need to pivot to something different? And do you wrestle with that much? You know, I really don't. I really don't. When, when I get on the, I, I'm still shocked sometimes by people that are hear me speak. And then I find out kind of what they do. And they're like, that resonated so well with me. And I'm like, oh, okay, fantastic. But those one-offs aren't going to make me pivot my whole business. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so the masses, the, the mass uh, kind of information that I'm gathering is still leading me down this, this audience level. Um, right. Now, uh, I, I mentioned earlier, HR executives, um, that's just who I've been speaking to a lot, but I've got people that are just, again, these kind of leaders that are leading teams in a variety of different organizations that become kind of the one-offs that then I can go down a little bit, but for the most part, it's, it's not something that I, I question much anymore. And I know that because that I've had success in these other gigs, I know that I, it's almost like an, I can find the type of gig without even thinking about the audience. Because if I can find the right types of gigs, the audience is the same every single time. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, uh, one thing that you are very, very good about is you are very, very systems process minded. And so you you well know that when a lot of speakers come to the speaker lab, they um they they lack a lot of those systems of process and going like, okay, even if I'm clear on who I speak to, what I speak about and have my website and a video, now what? Now I just sit back and I wait for the phone to ring. And the the A in the speak framework that acquire paid speaking gigs is like one of the hardest parts. And so you've done a really good job to again streamline, systematize it and like put processes in place and do and follow that. Can you talk us through like what have been some of the processes, systems that you use to, to book gigs today? Oh man, I think I could talk to you for an hour about this. I just love this part of it with my operations background. This is actually the step that I was trying to get to when I was yeah. going through there. I was like, okay, step one. All right, step two. All right, step three. Okay, finally, we're done. And it, it, don't get me wrong. You got to do those steps and you got to do them well. But for me, it was like, I can't wait to get to step four because that's just how my mind works. This like yeah. step-by-step process. Let me rinse and repeat. Like, let me get into it, right? And so- for me, it's very systematic. And, and, and for me, it's the only way that you can really scale a business is actually having a process at every stage. So for me, it starts very much at the lead generation process. And just to give you an overview, it goes lead generation, contact strategy, discovery call, proposal email, and then a secret that I don't really want to talk about, Grant, but I'll tell uh -oh. you, is my, uh -oh. is my timeline of events email. Okay. Right. And Walk so us through all those. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's the process I go through. So uh, lead generation, right? That's that's where it all starts. Uh, and so how do you find leads? How are what's that process look like? For me, it's I'm 25 to 30 minutes a day prospecting. 25 to 30 minutes a day prospecting. By the way, uh, six months ago that was uh, about an hour a day. We've introduced some tools here at the Speaker Lab that has actually cut that in half for me. Uh, what is so that? Got, what's that process look like for you? How do you spend those 30 minutes? So um, I use the Intel engine that uh, we have internally that uh, our students have access to um, and simply going in there, plugging in those keywords and then working through those lists. I, and by the way, I, I am going through 
So when I plug in those keywords on the Intel engine, as you know, it pops out uh, different events that you can start clicking into. And so I start clicking into them. And ultimately what I'm looking for in those 25 to 30 minutes a day is between five and 10 leads that I can enter into my contact strategy. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to get 50. I'm not trying to get... And I'll tell you why when we get to the contact strategy here in a moment, I'll tell you why I do that. But I'm looking for five to 10 a day. And so if that takes 20 minutes, great, I'm done. Uh, if I'm str- if I get to like five or six, I'm like finding another one's taking, I'm just like, okay, I'm good. I'll just move on, right? I'll, I'll be back at it tomorrow. And so I use that process and I'm clicking into these, these events and I'm really trying to find the decision maker mm-hmm. or who I think the decision maker is. And then I'm moving them into my contact strategy. Right. So the context, right, let me, let me oh, ask on the Legion. Uh, do you, a, a few questions. One is um, one thing I like that you're doing is focusing more on quality versus quantity. And so a lot of times speakers are like, I got 10 minutes. How do I find a thousand leads? You know, and it's almost like, how do I buy a list or scrape a list or do something that's just kind of this, you know, spray and pray type of approach versus like, I got 20 minutes. I'm going to really like pull on the thread here, go down the rabbit hole, find yeah. the right type. I only have, I'm only coming back with five just for today. Um, but I need to make those five count and I want to make sure that they're they're valid. But then also, I think going back to one of the other things that you you touched on about spending that 30 minutes a day um, and like you doing it, could you have like a lot of times people are looking for someone else to do this. I don't want to go digging around the Internet and trying to find leads or sift through a list and poke around a website. Could you have someone else do this or, or what do you feel like is the value in you doing it? Oh, man, if someone can find this like magic system for me, I'm all about it. So I've tested a bunch of different options all the while doing my own prospecting. Yeah. Right. And so for me, that's like, that's never going to stop. Anything that I can get from anything else is going to be gravy on top. It's not going to be the main source for me. Yeah. The last 18, 24 months of my speaking business, 95% plus of every one of my gigs have come from my prospecting process, not somebody else. No one else is going to sell me better than me. I know that, mm. right? And so no one else is going to follow up the way that I follow up. No one's going to be as on it as I'm going to be on it. Yep. And as soon as I start putting my trust, my business into somebody else's hands, well, I, I mean, I can't account for what's actually going to happen. Yeah. And so as much as I would love to have I've not found that yet. And I've been looking. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and and you know, inside the speaker lab, like one of our core values is ownership. And so as much as oftentimes we're like, yeah, I don't want to do this. I don't, you know, I don't want to do the heavy lifting stuff. I'll just pawn it off to someone else, find someone who can do this for me. Like the, the activity and action of you doing it, um, makes such a difference. And as well, like you are like one thing everyone needs to know about Dan. He's he's one of the more disciplined people you'll ever meet. The guy does CrossFit and triathlons and runs, and he he's a beast. Um, but you know, like uh, it's it's you can get like right now. You, I know you're training for a uh, triathlon, or you just did one. Um, but like you can get the training plan. You can have someone make the training plan for you. But like you got to like show up and do the reps. Like you got to run the miles. You got to pedal the bike. You got to swim the laps. Like you have to do the thing. Doesn't matter what anyone else does to help and support you, but like you, you got to do the work. And as much as it'd be nice to be like, man, if I could outsource the running part, that would be great. But like, it just doesn't work like that. You you got to put in the reps. All right. So lead gen, what's the, what'd you say the second phase was? Yeah. So lead gen, um, after lead gen is the contact strategy, Okay. Right? the contact strategy. So how are you actually going to connect? I, I talk to students every now and again, they're just like, well, I sent like, I sent them an email three weeks ago. I haven't heard anything. Yeah. 
And I'm like, well, I mean, welcome, welcome to the speaker process, right? right, right. And so uh, the process that I work through is that I, I work on a five week contact strategy. So um, just to kind of give you a breakdown of that, if I get a, one of the new leads that I get today, I'm going to email them today. Uh, today happens to be a Thursday. So if I'm, they're going to get email one today. If they don't respond to me, email two is going out next Thursday. Email three the Thursday after that. Email four the Thursday after that. So in four Thursdays from today, email five will be sent. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if I don't get a response from them in, in those five email attempts, I'm, I'm moving on. That's not actually true. I punch, uh, I push an email out six months out and then or a, a, a um, task out six months out. So I can say, I can just send them an email in six months saying, Hey, oh my gosh, can you believe it's been six months since I originally connected with me and you still haven't contacted me. Yeah. And so uh, just to have a little fun with it, I've actually got some people respond to that before, but um, so that's the process. Like you've got to have a systematic, like, by the way, Grant, and you probably know this. I mean, I don't, the mass majority of people that respond to me aren't off email one. It's off of email three. Mm. Right. And and because they've gotten typically maybe they just haven't seen it before. They're finally like, who is this guy? Like, why what's yeah. going on? What's he all about? Right. Um, and and by the way, I've had people that I've I've done the five-week strategy for. In fact, I had a pretty big gig last year that I did the five-week strategy with, never heard from him, kind of like put him in a a junk lead status, if you will. And then four months later, they reached out to me and said, Hey, Dan, yeah, we've saved all your emails. We just weren't ready to book a speaker. Do you want to jump yeah. on a call real quick? Mm, that's good. And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Right? And, and that was actually my first um, uh, over $10,000 gig. That's crazy. The yeah. five emails that you send out, what's what's kind of the difference between them? Okay, so they are super simple. And by the way, these I've actually just taken the templates that you've provided, Grant, here at the Speaker Lab, and then put the Dan spin on them. Right? Perfect. That's just what so, you should do. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's what it's what we coach and train on here. And so it's very simple. It's very simple. And I'll tell you this: I get this question also on those five emails. People are like, "Oh, do you automate that?" No, I do not. I'm manually doing that. It takes me about ten seconds a yeah. lead to do that. That's why I only do five to 10 leads a day, because um, think about this for a second. When, if I'm going to send, if, let's just say I send five today. Well, guess what? I sent five last Thursday. Mm -hmm. So those, those email ones from last Thursday now are due email twos today. Yep. Well, two weeks ago, I sent email ones to five people. Well, today email three is due, right? Mm -hmm. And so it compounds to where I'm actually on average doing, you know, 40 to 60 tasks on any given day, but yep. they're anywhere between emails two and five. Yep. Right. And so that's the other part. Like you can't just go hard in the beginning. First of all, it's not sustainable, but also if you did a hundred last Thursday, guess what? Email two is coming today. You got to do those hundred today. Yeah. Right. In order to, in order to keep it consistent. And so um, that's part of it that you've got to be, uh, that, that's another reason why I take my time um, in that process. Gotcha. And then any particular CRM that you use for all this? So uh, I get a lot of students that ask me this question and I'll tell you what it is. I don't like necessarily telling people because it's quite technical and I'm a technical guy, but it works really well for me. It's Zoho. Okay. Uh, and so I'll, I'll, I don't mean to give a plug for Zoho, but one of the things I love about Zoho is that they have this whole other suite of apps, mm -hmm. right? And so you pay one monthly fee and then you get access to all their stuff. So I use all their other things like their Zoom equivalent and their like Calendly equivalent. So all these other tech tools that I can kind of bundle with their CRM. Cool. And we always remind students like, 
it doesn't matter what you use, just pick something and use it uh, versus just kind of like, oh, I'm just going to remember it in my head. You won't. There's I tell too students many, too many moving pieces. Yeah. I tell students early on, all you really need is a task manager. Mm-hmm. You just need a simple task manager. And sometimes people are like, well, I don't even, sometimes people just use an Excel sheet. Yeah, <laughs> it can yeah. be that simple. Whatever your process is, just know that you need a process. Totally. Yeah. All right. So lead gen, contact strategy, what's third? Okay. So discovery call discovery call. So every one of my discovery calls, um, I have nine essential questions that I ask on every discovery call. Um, and this is a process and just to kind of tee up how I do this. So every one of my discovery calls are zoom calls. I never do them over the phone, just over the phone. They got to be zoom. And here's why to me, a discovery call with a potential client is an audition. Mm. You're, you're getting the opportunity. Um, they're getting the opportunity to see the product. Right. And so I prepare for discovery calls as if it's a speaking gig. Wow. I've, I've done my research. I know about their events. I know what kind of organization they are. I dress appropriately. <laughs> right. Um, I, I do all of kind of some of the free speaking stuff that I do for a, a discovery call because, again, they're seeing the product. They're seeing. And so if you're just, you know, I want to be energetic. I want to be fun. I want to make them laugh. I want to have a good time because partially that's just who I am. That's not an act yeah, I'm putting on. It's just who I am. And so I want them to get a sense of who I am. So every one of my discovery calls are on Zoom. Uh, and then it's about 30 minutes. And it's really just an opportunity for me to learn about their event, learn and, about what they're wanting. And how are you booking those in the first place? So when they come off the context, right? If someone responds to me on one of those emails, right? Those five emails that I send out and they said, Hey, Dan, oh yeah, we'd love to connect with you. Gotcha. Um, and they said, okay, cool. Well, here's a link. So Zoho has that bookings opportunity, right? Then yep. I can send them that link and they can just schedule onto my calendar. Gotcha. Do you find that most of them actually do schedule it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. If they send me a note back saying, oh yeah, let's, 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 or, here's what I'll get. Yeah, Dan, we're interested. What's your fee? Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, Dan, that sounds good. Um, let me get you over to our committee. And by the way, are you available? And what's your fee, right? Yep. And so this is another part that is so critical about having a process is because I got I got this email actually yesterday from somebody saying, hey, Dan, we're super interested in you speaking at our event in September. Are you available? And what's your fee? I said, well, September's a big month. Um, do you know what dates? Uh, I said that in a much nicer way. It's not, not as sarcastic, but also said... Uh, uh, I said, yeah, I absolutely. I can't wait to hear more about your event. I can't wait to learn more about it. My first step in my process is that we set up a discovery call. Yeah. Gotcha. And so, because h- how could I quote them knowing nothing about what they're, they may want me for an hour. They may want me for eight hours. Yep. Yep. Very different. <laughs> they things. may be in Dallas where I'm at, or they might be in Seattle. Yep. <laughs> and so totally different. Right. And so for me, it's really um, that's how I get them when they're responding to me. And by the way, if they respond to me, like, we're not interested, uh, stop emailing me. Um, we we're already booked for this year. Awesome. Guess what? I don't have to send them any more emails, right? That's yeah. one less task I have to do in the future. So if it's like opting them out, no problem. If they say, Hey Dan, we're already booked for 20 for this year. We'd love to talk to you about it for next year. Great. Cool. When can I follow up with you? Cause I'll, pu- I'll push that task out to follow up with them. Gotcha. What's step four? We got lead gen, so- contact strategy, discovery call. Proposal email. Proposal email. So all of my proposal emails have eight sections that I walk through on this. This is, I make a joke about this too, is I tell people at the end of the discovery call, I said, I always, there's, every time I connect with a client, I'm always telling them what the next step is, right? So they know what's happening. And so at the end of my discovery call, I say, just so you know, the next step is I'm going to send you a detailed proposal. Now, 
I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there to you. This will be the longest email you ever get from me. And I promise you, I promise it'll be the longest. It will be the only time because I put everything in there, a lot of information in there, because most of the people that I'm working with are either, um, you know, maybe they're event planners, maybe they're committee members. And so they need all of the information to go back to their committee, to go yeah. back to their team. And I, we just talked for 30 minutes. I don't expect them to remember everything about me. And so I want to give them all of the details so they can go present that. And by the way, one of my tricks with my uh, proposal emails, I, I plant in a little video where I actually walk through the proposal on a screen share in a uh. video. And so I tell them, hey, just watch the video and then you can walk through the proposal while watching the video. That's smart. That's really cool. And you just do that with Loom? Uh, I actually use a tool called BombBomb. Okay. Yep. Yep. Listen, Zoho and, and BombBomb better reach out to me. I need some royalties or something. That's What's all you need. Here? That's all you need. Those two tools. All right. So lead gen, contact strategy, discovery call, proposal email, and then what's last? The one that you oh, didn't man. want to share. You're going to make me share my uh, my secret tool here. This is actually what I call my uh, timeline of events email. Timeline okay. of events email. And there's 10 sections, 10 updates that I do in every one of my timeline of events email. So this is what happens. Um, the trigger point for my timeline of events is when I get the deposit check in the mail, right? So they signed the agreement. Uh, we're already past the discovery call, past the proposal email. They signed the agreement and the check's on the way. So when I get the check in the mail, that's my trigger to send the timeline of events email. This timeline of events email basically outlines everything they can expect from me from that moment until post delivery. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there's 10 sections in there. And then what I do is I go in there and I actually um, individualize, customize that based on the dates according to the due date of the gig. Okay. Right. And so I'm laying out for them, hey, you it's, you know, you signed up, uh, we we signed an agreement this month. I'm not speaking at your event for nine months from now. Yep. Uh, but here's what you can expect. And it usually starts about 90 days out, is when I start connecting with them and saying, hey, add me to your conference. Um, email blasts. I want to, I want to know what the participants are seeing. I want to see what they're seeing 60 days out. Um, I'm letting them know that's when I'm going to book my flight in my hotel. Um, so I'm just putting it on there. And then as I do these things, Grant, I send them an updated timeline of events, emails, and I, and with it crossed out. Gotcha. Right. So they don't, again, my job as the professional is to keep them in the loop, not for them to keep me in the loop. Yeah, that's good. Right. And so ultimately, I want to be back. I want them to hire me again. I want them when they think of Dan Irvin as the speaker, man, he was the easiest, fun guy to mm -hmm. work with. Yep. He was super awesome. He did everything. We didn't have to think twice about what he was doing, where he was, uh, or if he even remembered our event. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so I outline every step that they can expect from me. And then as I'm doing them, I'm sending it to them with an updated with it crossed out. Gotcha. Okay. So you got this thorough strategy here between lead gen, contact strategy, discovery call, proposal email, timeline of events email. There's going to be people who are listening that are just like, oh man, I'm eating this up. I'm taking notes. This is awesome. I got to do all this stuff. And it works. And others that are just like, oh, this is too much work. I don't want to do all this. Can't I just have someone do all this for me? Or oh, what's the easy button to book gigs? So you uh, to kind of like wrap it up here, put a bow on this. Uh, you've been very successful. You've built momentum in your speaking business. Um, what do you feel like are the keys between people that are going to listen to this and implement it and the keys and the difference between those who are just like, nah, this ain't for me? I think two things come to mind. One is uh, you got to start small. You got to start in the beginning. I didn't, um, I didn't start creating all these processes until I had clients to go through them. Mm -hmm. I didn't like create 
the discovery call proposal email timeline events and then be like okay here we let's just wait to see what comes along no yeah. i i waited until i actually had clients to work through uh with that process and then just fine-tuned it and, and then got better at it mm-hmm. um and what i found is in listening to feedback and and really connecting uh with what they're wanting and what they're needing and then ultimately one of the things i try to do in my business is i try to delight people i want to delight I, I, I want to meet your expectations, but I want to take it a step above that. Sure. And so I try to over communicate at every step of the process. And then the other thing that comes to mind is it's your business. Like I, I to me, this isn't like something I'm going to maybe do next year mm-hmm. or 10 years from now. This is what I am absolutely going to be doing. Yeah. And so I take it that serious in that the reality of it is, is if I was paying somebody 10, 15, 20, $25,000 to, to do something for me, I would expect that there's a very systematic process that and professional process that they're working me through and keeping me updated all along the way. So I think part of it is how would I want to be treated on the other side of it? And then how can I excel and kind of delight them at every step? Yeah. Man, so good. So good. I'm I'm so happy for you. I'm proud of your results and, and you continue to crush it. Um, in addition, like students have a chance to uh, uh, work with you some here and in, inside the Speak Lab, pick your brain. Um, so if people want to find out more about you, what you're up to, where where can we go? Probably the two two best ways to find me is on my website, danirvin.com, danirvin.com or on LinkedIn. That's where I do a lot of my social media stuff is on LinkedIn. Just look me up, Dan Irvin. Awesome. Dan, thanks for the time, buddy. We appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Grant. Hi, Brandon. Are you ready to get serious about taking your speaking business to the next level? Maybe you are someone who is looking for ways to book more paid gigs, or maybe you're trying to figure out all the different things that go into building a successful speaking business. Or perhaps you are an experienced speaker who wants to scale your speaking business to multiple six figures. And so if that's you, I would encourage you to visit thespeakerlab.com slash apply. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash apply. I want you to book a free, no obligation call with our team. And if you're not quite ready to take that leap, I don't want you to hesitate in checking out all the free resources that we have available to you on our website, including this podcast. So head over to thespeakerlab.com. Again, thespeakerlab.com. Find hundreds of blog posts, how-to guides, podcast episodes, email scripts, proposal templates, and so much more. Finally, I got a big favor. I would love for you to leave us a rating or review for this podcast. We read every single one, and it also helps other speakers find valuable free resources that they can use to build their own speaking careers. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.